good day to be indigenous. Get up, stand up. They are going to become more brutal. Cody Cuff hit me cut a dude. Because all the hippies were trying to be Indians anyway. They're going to become more repressive because it's a matter of dollars and their illusionary concepts of power. Hey, Victor. We must live in balance with the earth. And also with recent happenings at Wounded Knee. I am awake. Welcome to Native Roots Radio Presents I'm Awake, and I'm your host, Wakanja Hade. Which means distant thunder, and my colonized name is Robert Pilot, and we discuss local and national Native news and events. And as you know, Wendy, Native issues are human issues, and human issues are Native issues. This portion of the show is supported by the Native American Community Clinic on Franklin Avenue in Minneapolis, honoring health and tradition. Hey, we've been running a spot on the loons, Wendy, and they have Native American, and it doesn't say it on the commercial, but it's Native American Heritage Month on the 15th, Mm -hmm. and we're really excited to be partnering with the loons and maybe go to a, a, a football game, but uh, that's what they say in England, but a soccer game. And soccer, it's becoming very popular. Well, just because we've been watching Ted Lasso doesn't mean it's popular, Wendy. Come on. <laughs> well, I recommend it, <laughs> Ted Lasso, to anybody. It's really good. Right. Hey, Native Ritz Radio is heard from coast to coast and around the world. You know who says that? Who says that? Casey Kasem. And I thought I'd just throw that out there, too, for us. And uh, we're in the Mocho, Macho Hodos, a place where uh, they take blue clay from uh, studios here. And uh, we talk about news and things that uh, are really inspiring and also, you know, sad here. And we talk about Native issues and events. Mm-hmm. And before we get any further, let's have a discussion with Zoe uh, about what's happening and, uh, and uh, what we're going to be doing tomorrow when. Yeah. Welcome, Zoe. Bougie relatives, this is Zoe Allen. Um, I'm a descendant of the White Earth Nation as well as a citizen of the Sichangu Lakota of Rosebud. Um, And today I thought we would just talk a little bit more, Robert and Wendy, about the big uh, report that just came out from the Truth Project uh, Mm -hmm. pertaining to the U of M and their land grab, acreage, and all of the other you know, historical things they've done that have oppressed Native people. The list goes on. Um, I think yesterday we weren't able to talk about the U of M's response, but um, I do have it here. Um, I was going to read it for our audience. Um, And for those that didn't uh, tune in yesterday, Robert and I were just talking about um, a 554-page report that came out recently, um, which was published by, I believe, students uh, that are part of a project called The Truth Project. Um, And one of those students is um, Adriana Goodwin. She's Mm -hmm. from the Red Lake Nation. And we're hoping to maybe get her on the show to talk about this more um, because she did really incredible work. And so basically, they came out with this report stating all of the offenses that the U of M has um, done to Dakota and Anishinaabe people and Ho-Chunk people too. Um, we're all here together in Minnesota. Um, <laughs> and it's, it's really overwhelming. You know, it's overwhelming. They talk about uh, testing that was yeah. done on children in Red Lake. Um, they talk about... Not that long ago, the, Zoe. Zoe, not right. that long do, ago. Do you have that, that year? Do you know the I year thought I there? said the 1960s and I was like... I was little in the 1960s when that was happening and into the early 50s, into the 60s. And that blew my mind when we talked about that a couple of days ago. Yeah, no, that was really. And, and the fact that they there was an outbreak of um, an infection right. um, and in Red Lake back at that time. And uh, the U of M actually knew that penicillin would change the outcome, you know, would cure the children and, and the people that were affected and they didn't, you know, distribute that information to the medical um, staff or the people trying to take care of the situation in Red Lake. So there's just been like negligence on every front. And, um, you know, Red Lake tribal members have spoken out um, against this. But um, before I go any further, just let me just read the U of M's response to the whole report. Uh, so first and foremost, Uh, We recognize that the countless hours of work reflected in this report and truth-telling that will benefit us 
all going forward is built upon the time, effort, and emotional labor of every individual involved. We want to reiterate our appreciation for each of you. In recent years, the university has committed to acknowledging the past and doing the, ne doing the necessary work to begin rebuilding and strengthening relationships with tribal nations and native people. Openly receiving this report is another step towards honoring that commitment. While documenting the past, the Truth Report also provides guidance as to how the university can solidify lasting relationships with tribes and indigenous peoples built on respect, open communication, and action. As we engage in the important discussions that will now follow, that guidance will be invaluable. I hope so. Um, that's kind of an interesting response. Uh, what is it like a response without a response? Is that how that goes? <laughs> it's very, yeah, like doesn't kind of speaking around the point, right. um, using some really nice words. Um, and just to give credit to um, Red Lake Tribal Secretary Sam Strong, yeah. um, he, he did comment on this report and he talked about how, you know, our, our tribal members were used as test subjects and that, you know, this is this is nice, but it's it's not enough. Um, you know, as, as, as native people, I feel like our, we're pretty tired of saying that. <laughs> I think, I think we've, right. we've been facing that a lot more recently of these kind of, you know, half empty attempts to rectify, like, I don't even know how many years of, of genocide and then, um, how many years of institutions of higher learning using us as test subjects, as, um, you know, people to take land from. So um, I'm definitely interested to see where this continues to go. Um, I just think I'm not surprised by the U of M's response, honestly. Like this is very on on par with what a lot of institutions would probably say. Um, yeah. So it doesn't seem unique in any way. And there's no tangible action that they mentioned that they're going to do. So I guess right. we'll just continue to watch it. I don't know what you think. Robert. Yeah, Zoe and uh, Wendy, I think it's really important, uh, one, that this report came out and it was native-led and uh, traumatic for these people to go deep into the archives of what the University of Minnesota uh, land grab we talked about, mm -hmm. uh, also how they treated even in my lifetime uh, native communities that were sick. And I think it's great NPR, I know the Star Tribune, all these other organizations have been commenting on this and we can keep commenting on it and doing updates and seeing what's happening and hopefully it's just not the flavor of the day yeah exactly and the you know the u of m does need to apologize but they need to really apologize <laughs> not, right. you know yeah. and the you know the people who are there now aren't responsible for what happened back in 1960 but if they're aware of it they need to fix it Right. Absolutely. And the land grab, too, and acknowledge mm -hmm. acknowledge that that would be the first step. And, uh, uh, yeah, uh, so it's great that we're still talking about Zoe. And one of the things I wanted to talk about in the first segment, too, is what uh, Wendy and I are going to be doing tomorrow. And we're going to have a whole segment about this, but we got a couple minutes here. When And what are we going to be doing? Yeah, tomorrow, Thursday, April 13th at 3 o'clock, we will be at the Minnesota State Committee on Environment, Climate, and Legacy. Yeah. Uh, yes, we'll hold a committee hearing on Senate file 2062. This is authored by sen uh, our own, very own Minnesota Senate, Mary Kunish. And what we want to do is remove recreational wolf hunting and trapping from state law and increase penalties for wolf hunting. Now, we will be there tomorrow at yeah. 3 o'clock, and everybody is welcome to attend. The hearing will take place in room 1150. 3 p.m. 1150, and it'll be at the Minnesota Senate building, uh, and it will include testimony from Maureen Hackett, Dr. Maureen Hackett, who is the founder of Howling for Wolves. Oh. Yeah, Jill Fritz of the Humane Society of the United States, and our very own Robert Pilot talking about how wolves and having a wolf hunt. Uh, it would affect Native American people and their perspective on this. Yeah, the big perspective. I mean, yeah. we always talk about how there are relatives mm -hmm. and how we don't treat our relatives like that. And I always like to say, too, and, and Wendy will help me uh, with my three-minute talk, come on down and see us. Uh, I always like to say if it was a true sport, the wolves would have a gun, too, and they'd be able to shoot back. But it's not. 
it's uh, it's very sad, and there are relatives, and there's no reason to kill these beautiful animals. Mm. Hey, we'll be right back. Uh, I think we have Nancy Bolio up today. Awesome. Stay with us. Hey, Olgama, I've been hearing a lot about this term, climate justice. What is that? Climate justice is recognizing that the negative impacts of climate change don't affect all people equally. It also means transitioning from a fossil fuel-based economy to a more sustainable future. MN350 is one of the groups that's pushing for this transition to protect our futures. You can even get involved, too. That's great, especially since I'm concerned about pipeline projects like Line 3. How can I help MN350? Just find them on Facebook or visit mn350.org. Hey, Twin Cities, are you trying to move your side hustle to your main hustle? Having trouble leveling up your back office? Getting stuck on where and how to get money to grow your business? Then you don't want to miss Connect Up Summit Friday and Saturday, April 14th and 15th at Walder Foundation in St. Paul. Connect Up is a two-day summit offering hands-on workshops and connecting small businesses with each other, local investors, as well as local and national resources to grow your business. You'll get to meet more people in the small business ecosystem in two days than would take you two years to meet on your own. Connect Up sells out every year, so get your tickets today. Go to connectupmn.org. Follow us on Instagram and LinkedIn to get the latest updates. Again, that's Friday and Saturday, April 14th and 15th at the Walder Foundation in St. Paul. That's connectupmn.org. Connectupmn.org. It's 6.42 p.m. Time for Steve Plato and his son Dylan to do the dishes. They talk about everything from the yuckiness of girls to the awesomeness of his soccer team. Sometimes they don't talk at all. Then, hey! the dreaded <laughs> splash fight. It's dad o'clock, and it's the best time of the day. Because the smallest moments can have the biggest impact on a child's life. Take time to be a dad today. Call 877-4DAD-411 or visit fatherhood.gov. Brought to you by the U.S. Department of Health and Human Services and the Ad Council. This is uh, Leonard Peltier. I am in uh, Coleman 1, U.S. Penitentiary, and I'm listening to Native Roots Radio. And we're back to Native Ritz Radio Presents I'm Awake, and this is Robert Pilot. This portion of the show is supported by MN350, a grassroots organization fighting for climate justice. Ooh, that was a dramatic uh, pause, Wendy. Mm -hmm. Hey, Wendy, let's talk a little bit while we're waiting for Nancy to come on uh, a little bit more about what's happening. We want to invite people to come down there uh, to the Capitol and show... uh, Solidarity and support for our Minnesota Wolves. We really need to do this. This is tomorrow, Thursday, April 13th at 3 o'clock. It will be in room 1150 of the Minnesota State Building. And it will include testimony from Dr. Maureen Hackett from Howling for Wolves. She is the founder of Howling for Wolves. Jill Fritz of the Humane Society of the United States and Robert Pilot of the Ho-Chunk Nation talking about the Native American perspective on wolf hunting. You know, I got a message from Nancy and she's not going to come on until 6.30 when. Mm -hmm. And maybe we can talk about a little more about uh, our wolves and and our relatives it's also Nancy's birthday, so oh, she's wow. stuck in a birthday party. Well, so she should be celebrating. She will be at six thirty. <laughs> no, she is right now, and that's what uh, she got stuck in a in a birthday party. So mm-hmm. um, that's I forgot. I think I wished her happy birthday, but that that was this morning, and that was a long, long time ago. And uh, yeah. it was only like seventy degrees, and now we have a record here of global warming of eighty eight <laughs> degrees here in St. <laughs> Paul. Something like that, right? Yeah, yeah. Did it really go to 88? Yes, it's say? a record. Wow, yeah. that's amazing. It is. It was really hot today. I went out for a walk four and a half miles. It was really too hot for that much walking. But Well, Zoe got a migraine. It was so oh, beautiful out today, right, Zoe? Yeah, the heat can really get <laughs> yeah. to you. Zoe. Oh, yeah. You've got to hydrate. Make sure you hydrate, folks. Yeah, yeah, definitely. I put some piles of uh, water out there for uh, little animals. So, oh, yeah. yeah, some fill, filled up the bird baths yeah. and put out a, you know, a little pail of water for 
whatever else needs water, squirrels or yeah. whoever comes around. Well, and two, we're going to have our hummingbirds show up too, and they're on their way. I they heard. are on their way, and I have a little uh, update on them. Oh, so, wow. Yeah. yeah, so they are on their way, and um, let's uh, see here. I just I read I minds here. I do read minds. I have to get to my notes, though, but I don't uh, – they'll be here soon. I don't have the – I'll have to find the tracker. But here's the thing. you know, People like to feed the hummingbirds because yes. they love to watch them. They're such incredible birds. They and know me, too. They're actually the only bird that could fly back. Well, I think that was one of your 500. Uh, it was. <laughs> yes. 500 fun facts of uh, our sacred animals. Exactly. So we want to ask everyone to make your own hummingbird nectar. Yes. It's really easy to make. It's four cups of boiling water and one cup of white granulated sugar. Do not use raw organic sugar or any other fancy sugar because most of them contain iron. And those aren't good for the hummingbirds. So you bring the water to a boil, remove it from the heat, add sugar, stir it really well and let it cool. Don't put any red dye in it. Just, right. Yeah. Here's the thing that yeah. I never knew, and this is really important because I feel guilty that I may have hurt hummingbirds in the past because I didn't know this. But you need to clean the nectar out every one to three days really? and replace the nectar. So you only want to put a little bit of nectar yeah. in there. You don't want to fill up that whole you know, container. I like the way you say nectar. It, exactly, yeah. So the important uh, hummingbird information on hot or cold days to maintain the feeders, you have to fill them uh, less or more often. And it's really important. So this is a commitment. If you're going to feed the hummingbirds, you I have to... I think Wendy's talking to me. You have to be... <laughs> Be diligent in taking care of it. So, for instance, if yeah. it's 70 to 84 degrees, you have to clean it every three days. Mm-hmm. If it's 85 to 87 degrees out, degrees. you have to feed, you have to take it and clean it every two days. Yeah. 88 to 99, you have to f- clean it every single day. So the hotter it is, you have to clean it more often. What happens is the sugar ferments, mm. and then the little hummingbird's tongue goes in to grab the nectar, and it's fermented, and it uh, causes their tongue to, to be like almost concrete. Oh. And then they can't use their con- they can't use their tongue anymore, and then they die. So that's why you have to clean the hummingbird nectar container out. Very often. That's kind of hard, too, because Minnesota, like this week, it's like almost 90 degrees, and this mm-hmm. weekend it's going to be 50. So I'm going to need that printed out and put by the nectar so I can... Yeah, uh, and you could make the nectar and keep it in the refrigerator. Yeah. Yeah, and just you, drink use it that and then, you know, just like shake it up. You I don't drink it. Well, I'm sweet enough. I don't drink. But yeah, that's stuff. what you want to do. I would love it if people came down to the state capital, yeah. capital tomorrow at 3 o'clock uh, to... You know, watch the hearing. This is really important. Right now, the Minnesota wolves are on the Endangered Species Act, but we know what happens in 2022. What happened, one of Trump's last things that he did, did what he took them off the national. Yes, he took them off the endangered species list. And what could happen here if that happens again in Minnesota, there, there could be a a wolf hunt, and you know if there if there could be, there will be because hunters like to kill things, right? And that's the whole thing that boggles my mind. You know, uh, you know, our native community, and I have hunted before, but we talk about you know using everything from you know hoof to tail, and by killing a wolf, you're just doing it for the heck of it. Trophy hunting, unless you want to stuff it and put it in your bar and the trophy and yeah and it's like i don't understand that and i think what's gonna be interesting too i don't think gen zers understand that Mm. Uh, and they're the next big uh (laughs) voting block and i'm gonna mention that uh uh at at the capitol too because Mm -hmm. we have you know issues with gun violence yes and yet you're 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 uh having gun violence come to our state because a lot of these hunters aren't from Minnesota, correct? Yes, they could come from all over and 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 hunt, like they did in Wisconsin, mm-hmm. and that was a bloodbath. It in was forty-eight hours, they overdid their limit and less they stopped three, it. Less than three days, they killed two hundred and eighteen wolves. That was well over the quota. 
Yeah. We don't want that to happen. And you know what? These these hunters come in with their high-powered rifles, their you know AR-15s. They use Jesus. bait. They use calls that mimic wolf pups to lure the wolves into the range where they could be blown to bits. Right. They use painful and inhumane snares yeah. and traps. It's it's just really a bloodbath. It really is. And a lot is. of times too, if you're not uh, into protecting our sacred animals, the do- our, our own domestic dogs get caught in those snares. Mm-hmm. That's right. Now I want to point out another thing. And we've talked about this before, Robert. Mm-hmm. A wolf pack works very well together. It's only the breeding right. male and the breeding female alpha, those two that get to mate. Wow. That's it out of the whole pack. So they only have a litter once a year. Yep. Now, if the alpha male or alpha female is killed in that wolf pack, it disrupts the whole pack. And then the other wolf uh, pack members are able to mate then and cause more of a a larger wolf population because there's more wolves having litters. Wow, interesting. So, yeah, it's scientific. Wow, I didn't know that. Mm-hmm. I should listen to your segments more closely. Yeah, you should. Hey, listen. we should we should uh, ask uh, our our official Gen Zer, which and native Gen Zer, because we know about our traditions too. What do you? How do you feel about the Zoe? Yeah, I mean, I'm grateful to you and Wendy because I'm definitely learning a lot. Um, I've seen stuff, especially up in White Earth, around protecting wolves, um, but I never really understood fully the the situation at hand and the justification for even hunting wolves i guess is like what is it i mean they're killing livestock and hunters and and farmers are getting you know are losing money on it or are they just invasive it's just there's always like this quick fix that people want for ecosystems when there's something out of whack if one population of animal is taking over there's some ecological system that's not working. Mm-hmm. And so this just seems, yeah, I guess, I guess maybe this is a simple question, but um, what historically has been the justification for even, has it been a livestock issue, Wendy? Or right. Yeah. So the ranchers have a lot of lobbying power in Washington and elsewhere at their state capitals. And they, even though, uh, killing uh, livestock is very small right. in comparison to anything. Right. Uh, and there's organizations out there, including the Humane Society of the United States, who has programs who yep. will who will go and give money to the ranchers and set up fencing, set up sound machines or pay for their livestock. That was- and pay for the and, and also howling for wolves will pay for any livestock that's killed, even if it's um, thought to be killed by right. a wolf. The the rancher just has to let them know that this uh, calf or cow was killed, and Howling for Wolves will give them the money for that particular an- animal. So hey, there got, isn't any excuse, really. we got 30 seconds, Wendy. Just quickly, what they did, uh, I don't know if you ever heard the Zoe, but we've talked about it many times, what they did in Yellowstone uh, State Park. They reintroduced the wolves after millions or been gone and killed and reintroduced them. And things started happening uh, ec- uh, geo uh, uh, ecologically, ecologically, yeah. The elk and moose were there, and they decimated all the land and ate all the vegetation, and it was really desolate there. So they reintroduced the wolves, and it was a beautiful story. What happened? So hey, we we'll be talk about that when we come back. We'll be right back with the the birthday girl, Nancy Bolio. You're listening to Native Roots Radio presents. I'm awake. Stay with us. Whoa. The moment my son saw a redwood tree. It's huge! Is the moment I knew that for him. You can't even see the top of that thing! Even the sky has no limit. There are some moments only the forest can inspire. Find yours at discovertheforest.org. Learn about forests near you and discover cool things to do when you go. Your moment is out there. Find it at discovertheforest.org. Brought to you by the U.S. Forest Service and the Ad Council. 
Hi, I'm Mary T. of the Mary T. Family of Companies. Our new Camellia Rose Assisted Living and Memory Care is a bold reimagining of what assisted living can be. Our emphasis is on creative meals, outdoor walking paths, and a spectrum of restorative therapies and activities. We are founded on a history of care. We are dedicated to enriching lives. Learn more about Camellia Rose Assisted Living and Memory Care by visiting MaryTInc.com. Hey, Minnesota, it's Brad Friedman, host of the Bradcast. We'll expose all the latest schemes, frauds, and more weeknights at 7 on AM 950. It's an absolute must for any true foodie. Vinaigrette at 50th and Xerxes in South Minneapolis offers premium oils and vinegars for the most discriminating of tastes. This is Sarah Piepenberg, owner of Vinaigrette. We bottle on-site, there's no guesswork, and you get to taste test each and every oil and vinegar we offer. Our direct relationship with the growers ensures an uncompromised level of satisfaction. When you need to know you're cooking with the finest ingredients, first contact the independently owned Vinaigrette, 50th and Xerxes in South Minneapolis. Online at vinaigrettemn.com. Hi, this is Chad from AM950. Snap Construction is arguably the most well-reviewed roofing, siding, window, and insulation contractor in the metro. Ryan is so excited about working with AM950 and our listeners that he wants to help us grow. This is Ryan, owner of Snap Construction. I was friends with Chad long before I started marketing with him. I was a bit skeptical of radio advertising before Chad convinced us to run ads. The advertising's been so successful, we want to help the station grow. We've absolutely loved working with the listeners of AM950, and we all know how extreme important this radio station is to the community. To help AM950 grow, Snap Construction will be putting up proceeds to assist the station in marketing on social media. Snap Construction encourages you to follow, engage, share, and interact on the AM950 social media platforms. Together, we can all work to ensure AM950 continues to thrive and grow in our communities. We stand by our work with a lifetime craftsmanship guarantee. For a free estimate or more information on our financing, call 612-333-SNAP or check us out online. Habitation presents a radio drama to buy or not to buy. That is the question. Whether tis nobler to compromise and live with a sectional that doth not fit my space or to take up arms against a sea of mediocrity and by opposing it to rest, to be comfortable, to enjoy the space that is my home. Hi, this is Gregory Rich, owner of Habitation Design and host of Drink in the Style. I'd like to personally invite you to our new showroom located in the District at Dinah, 7777 Washington Avenue South. Habitation, put some drama into your interior design. With a look at your AM950 weather, I'm Patrick Lilia. Clear tonight with a low of 56, then sunshine Thursday with a high of 85. Warner Stellion has grill savings you can't find at big box warehouses. Score the lowest prices of the year on gas grills, pellet smokers, and griddles. Plus, get three boxes of no-name meats and seafood. Then our pros assemble and deliver for free. Only from Warner Stellion. Ritz Radio presents I'm Awake, and this is Robert Pilot. This portion of the show is supported by the Native American Community Development Institute in Minneapolis. Hey, we have young elder Sugarbush Queen on, birthday person uh, uh, Nancy Bolio from the Deep North on. Happy birthday, Nancy. Happy birthday. Thank you so much for coming on and uh, spending time with us on your birthday. ho Right. I'll do another whole walk because I'm a baby elder now and (laughs) (laughs) feeling good about that in a way, Robert, because I'm I'm just so ready to be an elder. Um, I don't know if I have enough knowledge to be that the elder elder, though, but I I know I walk with a good heart. And, you know, just talking to someone about that today, regardless of how old you are, you know, 
there's no, there should be no fear of, of walking on, you know, when it's time to take our journey, because if you walk with a good heart, um, and you live for the, the good things, um, age doesn't matter. That's what I've yeah. been saying for the last 20 years. Now that I'm 61, I'm like, um, I have to believe Soon that. Soon to be 62. <laughs> I have to. <laughs> Elder in training. Right. Oh, wow. <laughs> I think that's where I'm at. And, you know, I'm, I'm really fortunate enough to have some, um, you know, really powerful elders in, in my corner. And um, I guess that's kind of, you know, where I'm at right now where, you know, we're at oh, the sugar bush. So, again, um, Monday was actually three weeks we've been out there. And for those of those listeners out there that don't know um, who I am, I am Nancy Bolio from Leech Lake. And um, I'm the Northern Organizer for Minnesota 350 here in the deep north um, near, uh, well, Bemidji, Minnesota. And there's Red Lake Nation, White Earth, and Leech Lake. And so um, our relatives have um, been holding space for three weeks on Monday, Robert, and um, yeah. we are in the um, Chippewa National Forest where they're um, sometime in the future going to take uh, 600 acres of forest where the uh, migration story um, is It's really important to that. It's specific to that area. So we're out there trying to save um, the forest. So it's more than a sugar bush, actually. Yeah. I see the beautiful pictures that uh, you've been putting up and uh, getting a little jelly about the the sugar. Hey, Nancy, for our audience that don't know, including myself, could you explain what the sugar bush is? Yeah, that's the um, the sap that runs from the maple, and it's 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 water, and it's sweet water, and um, so there's just a certain time of the year um, when the temperatures are, you know below freezing at night and then above freezing during the day. And um, because of climate change, things are really weird this year, but um, yeah, we, we can make you know, um, maple sugar and, and the syrup and, you know, there's candy forms too that we can make. And uh, yeah, we're out there where we had two boils so far and we've also wow. done a lot of cultural things as well. I even made a, um, a kettle of uh, beaver stew, Robert. Oh, wow. Uh- yeah, wow. Wendy's uh Wendy's grimacing, but I I see what you're saying there. Hey, I see you got a Corey Medina shirt on too and I love him and I I love what he had to say about uh honor the earth and what was happening up there in the deep north and uh he was one of the first uh uh artists to speak up and apologize for his uh uh, I don't know, working with honor and not knowing about uh, what's going on. So it's it, things come out, don't they, Nance? Right. You know, and um, for a long time, some people knew and, and you know, there's been a, a culture of not speaking. And I guess, you know, this should be a lesson for all of us that when there is harm within our movement, within our communities, um, we have that individual uh, responsibility, not to one, create the harm, but if we know about it as a community, we need to call it out and, so I want to, um, you know, say Chimigwitch to the people that were courageous enough to publicly speak about it. And, you know, it's opened the door for other people to feel safe to talk about it because, again, it was part of the culture and um, we weren't allowed to talk about it. And so um, we have people coming into camp, actually, that have worked for Honor the Earth that also publicly re- uh, resigned. And, mm. you know, it's been, you know, kind of hard um, on all of us. And I think, you know, what we offer in the sugar bush is, you know, we follow our teachings and, and yeah. we take, you know, take care of ourselves, but we take care of each other. And I I think people really appreciate the fact that, you know, the sugar bush is community and it's for the people, by the people. And yes, we have great orgs such as Indigenous Environmental Network, Indian Collective. Um, we have MN350. We got some support mm-hmm. from Native Roots Radio and, and some of the tribal support. So, um, again, it's for the people, by the people, but we couldn't do it without our supporters. And I'm really grateful that people have found a different way to spend um, the good energy fighting a good fight in the sugar bush. So, um, yeah, it was it was good to talk about the harm, but it was also um, even better to talk about the good stuff that we're doing. And we know mm-hmm. we can sleep good at night and that matters the most. Yeah, and I think that's, uh, you know, a, a great way to segue in how, how we, I feel like you're supported in your work 
uh, through MN350. And uh, that's a good thing because we know six, seven years ago, they didn't have that. They were awfully a white organization, and now they're an organization that's turning BIPOC and really uh, trying, trying, you know. And there's a lot of colonization that's been taught over the years that people don't understand, and they try to come in a good heart, and and it uh, sometimes it falls short, and we have to uh, know everybody's healing, but we also have to correct them in, in a good way. Right. And, you know, it's, it's never about attacking the person, but it's, it's adjusting the behavior and holding each other accountable. And if, if people don't want to take accountability to the harm they created, you know, but honestly, there's no room in, in any of this movement for them. And again, we have to make sure that everyone, everyone feels that they're safe and they're heard and that they belong, you know, without somebody thinking less of them. So I, what I really appreciate about camp is we're, we're all equal out there and um, our elders and our treaty keepers and our, our spiritual um, leaders, they lead the way. And then, you know, people like myself, we're there to learn and we're, we're there to help make that space happen. And we're also there to, to watch um, for the things that aren't working too well and, and making right of it. So I'm feeling good about who we are, Robert. And I think everyone needs to learn from, um, what honor the earth has done and it's not okay you know to, to say sorry after the fact and it's not okay to have excuses nor you know gaslight the harm that you created and there could have been a better way but what we mm -hmm. do now um, is pray that they learn from this and that they get back to those seven teachings because again Robert we're supposed to walk with good hearts and uplift yeah. each other and not create those kind of harms. Yes, well said, and and I think uh, you know the uh, the it always comes out in the wash. Things the truth always uh, rears its its head when no matter what. And I think this is part of the case because it's been going on for a long time with honor, and also uh, you know there's been denials and denials on denials, and and, and you know basically honor got me tooed, you know, and that's that's a thing. Right. And, you know, it's not just like, you know, within the the, uh, the orgs, you know, the network, you know, in that space. It's also here in Indian country. You know, I, mm -hmm. I, I'm part of the um, 1855 Treaty Authority. I go to every um, every meeting they have. And Winona is there, too. So we're trying to figure out here, you know, at the root of where these problems are here in northern Minnesota. How do we deal with it in Indian country without these orgs? you know, stepping in to say, hey, you know what, we do have a relationship with them. We're not sure how we're going to move forward. In the meantime, you know, just step back and don't say nothing. You know, that's not how we do it in Indian country. We we need to take that community responsibility and making sure that everyone is safe. And that includes every, you know, um, meeting we might attend or whatever event it is. But, you know, Robert, again, um, you know, at the Sugarbush, we decided, you know, prior to showing up to the sugar bush that um, we didn't need under the earth support. Um, Winona did offer it at an 1855 meeting and we felt um, we had to follow our hearts and say no and make sure that um, the people that were with us were always going to be in a good place. And so, um, yeah, we stood our ground at the 55 uh, meeting and, and I'm, I can't thank ourselves enough to say, you know, we do care enough about the people, you know, Robert, to make sure that they're safe. And I even cook beavers too for the people I love. So <laughs> Cap has been a great place. Well, Nancy, we don't want to, we only got like a couple minutes here. We don't want to keep uh, you as a now newly uh, young elder longer on, but uh, we on your birthday, but we really feel, um, blessed and honored that you uh can spend some time with us on your birthday and and i don't know it, it's 88 degrees down here in st paul i don't know how hot it is up there and i know you're in your car so i i don't know <laughs> are you hot right now robert but it's um it's like um i think we lost we lost the temperature's reading 59 degrees so um, we can't, we can't yeah. hear you, Nancy. There's something happening. Nancy, I think something happened to your phone when you uh, flipped it over to see what the temperature was. <laughs> but we want to wish you a happy birthday, and thank you so much for coming on on this special day. And live long, young elder. Oh. And uh, that's a uh, oh. 
Okay, Nance, we'll we'll be seeing you. Have a good night. Happy birthday. Happy birthday. Ho, uh, that was Nancy Bolio, a, you know, a young elder up there, Wendy. That's awesome. Yeah, she's doing good work. Exactly. Um, on her birthday, and so we were truly blessed to have her on uh, for, for that, Wendy. Mm. So any thoughts? I mean, we have uh, talked about and reported about Honor the Earth, but I think Nancy really came off. Mm-hmm. With a lot of classy responses to what's going on up there yeah, and across it, Turtle Island. Yeah, I just think it's really important for any organization to really have good HR and to really take serious what victims have to say and to investigate and look into it and mm-hmm. to to make sure that you're covering your basis and – you're calling out the people who are the perpetrators. We have to. We have to do that. Yes, we do. And it was. It's uh, a thing that's not going away, and we don't want to hide and talk and not talk about it because right. you know we've had Honor the Earth on, and yeah, we've had, had Winona on, on. Yeah. a lot of times, and we did not know, like mm-hmm. a lot of people, that this was still going on and that this was a thing. So, um, yeah, it's it's a hard deal in, in Indian country, but we'll all survive. If, the truth uh, we talk mm-hmm. about the truth and be truth tellers exactly hey you're listening to native Brits radio presents i'm awake and up next wendy and i uh speaking about more uh, wolf things and whatever comes to your mind we'll be right back after this short break stay with us Minnesota has the only original wolf population in the continental United States. And 80% of Minnesotans believe the wolf should be protected. Howling for Wolves is asking Minnesotans to respect our true wildlife manager, the wolf. Their survival is critical to our ecosystems, our communities, and even our economy. As highly intelligent animals with strong social bonds, Minnesota wolves deserve to be protected and admired. Learn more at howlingforwolves.org. Let's Let's live live and and let howl. I heard sex trafficking happens a lot in Indian country. What is that? Here are some of the real reasons why sex trafficking happens in Indian country. Unequal gender roles that were forced on us by colonization. Communities don't have enough resources. Silence around domestic and sexual violence. Lack of attention and justice for missing and murdered indigenous people. There's a lot of behavior that keeps our communities out of balance. These are just a few true reasons why Native communities are targeted by traffickers. When these acts of violence happen in our communities, it opens us all up for exploitation. Sponsored by the Minnesota Indian Women's Sexual Assault Coalition. Hey, Ogama, I've been hearing a lot about this term, climate justice. What is that? Climate justice is recognizing that the negative impacts of climate change don't affect all people equally. It also means transitioning from a fossil fuel-based economy to a more sustainable future. MN350 is one of the groups that's pushing for this transition to protect our futures. You can even get involved, too. That's great, especially since I'm concerned about pipeline projects like Line 3. How can I help MN350? Just find them on Facebook or visit mn350.org. JNS Bean Factory is a native-owned, community-supported, cozy, artsy coffee shop which offers roasted on-site beans, live music, and baked goods. Relax in the beautiful outside patio. City Pages writes, voted top 10 coffee shops. Tucked into a quiet corner of St. Paul's Highland Park neighborhood, this coffee shop roasts beans on-site from the best coffee-growing countries in the world. Located at 1518 Randolph Avenue, St. Paul. The good stuff. Hi, this is Representative Sharice Davids from Kansas. I'm Ho-Chunk, and you're listening to Native Roots Radio. And we're back to Native Roots Radio Presents. I'm awake, and this is Robert Pilot. This portion of the show is supported by Howling for Wolves, protecting wolves for future generations. Howl! Howl! I was looking for, there's so many things on here now. I was looking for this, Wendy. Yeah, the wolf. Howl! Howl! Yeah, and, and and then we had uh, the uh, the uh, the soccer team, Minnesota soccer team, advertising on the show, and they had a howl at the end too. That was a loon. Oh, that was a loon howl. There you go. Thank you. <laughs> Very close. Hey, Wendy, let's talk a little bit about uh, what we're going to be doing tomorrow, and then jump into some more uh, groovy. Yes, uh, <laughs> once again, quickly uh, this Thursday, which is tomorrow, April thirteenth at three o'clock. We will be at the Minnesota State Committee on Environment, Climate, and Legacy, and they'll hold a committee hearing on Senate File 2062. And this was authored 
by our very own Minnesota Senator Mary Kunish, who's on every Friday. So thank mm-hmm. you once again, Mary, for doing that. We really appreciate it. Everyone is welcome to attend the hearing. It'll take place in room 1150 of the Minnesota Senate building, and you'll hear testimony from uh, many people. And it's going to be uh, great if you could come down just to show your solidarity and support. And we really appreciate it if you could do that. Yeah, really, that would be uh Yeah, be awesome, cool. right? So we'll be there. But uh, before then, we were talking about hummingbirds and how important it is to, you know, clean out their nectar bowl. It is. And I just looked it up uh, because hummingbirds begin to arrive in late April or early May. The State Department of Natural Resources, that's in Minnesota here, the uh, State's Na- uh, Department of Natural Resources recommends hanging your hummingbird feeder in Minnesota no later than May 1st. And doing so will also help warblers, warblers, and Baltimore Orioles, not the baseball team, but the Orioles, which may arrive earlier in the season and also feed on nectar. So I'm going to get that ready and cleaned and boil up some water and the sugar. And I'll be on it too. Yeah. You know, it's making me sad that I've been hearing a lot of people who go to a shelter or adopt a dog from a rescue and then return them right away. I've been seeing that a lot on my social media feed, and I just want people to know that, you know, people really need time. People need people need to, but the dogs need to just decompress mm. uh, when they when they meet you. They don't know what's happening to them, and they're going into a new home where they're not familiar, and they need time to decompress. So they might be doing things that they normally wouldn't do. But this is um, just like a general type of thing that a guideline. Let's just say it's a guideline. So three days, the dog's feeling overwhelmed and un- unsure about what's happening and what's going on. They may be easily spooked and feel afraid or hide from you because they don't know yet that you're their people. Right. And they might not want to eat or they may not want to drink in those first three days. I remember when we got our dogs, Wanda, Gracie, and Emma, we would let them out in the backyard and we'd call them and they'd go run and hide under the bush because they didn't know that we were their people. Wow. You know, it takes a little while. Three weeks, uh, the dog will be starting, and and a cat too, uh, starting to settle in and get comfortable, uh, getting into the routine of the house and the people who live there, who's going where and who's going what, and Mm -hmm. the dog will get used to that. And they're they're starting to let their guard down slowly every single day. Mm. So that's three weeks. So three months, it takes really three months. Finally, comfortable in their new home, they're building trust and forming a bond with you, complete sense of security in their new home and routine. So the dogs will get used to your routine. Yeah. It took about three months with the yeah. uh, – we got three dogs from one family. Yep. A uh, person had passed away yep. and we were looking because our dogs passed away mm-hmm. a year before and they were bonded pair that we had to take both and mm-hmm. – we had no problem with that, and then we found out there was a third one, and yep. we took the third one. But I'll tell you, it was a lot harder than having two dogs. Three yeah. was a, three was like, a where's the other dog? And especially if they weren't yours, and it's like you, you one of them might have escaped, and you hear them barking from a distance, and then they're like locked into the bathroom, and you're just yeah. going, what's going on? But then things settled down. Yeah, and I was just talking to you. I don't know if I've said this on the radio, but we were just talking that I read a story about a dog that was in the shelter for a whole year. Wow. Could you imagine the dog no. in the shelter for a whole year? And of course the volunteers are great there and they're, you know, walking the dog and giving him or her the most attention that they possibly can. But the dog lived in the shelter for a whole year, but then finally the dog was adopted and the dog went to live in his or her forever home. And then a couple days later, the dog escaped and went back to the shelter because that's what the the dog knew. You know, Mm -hmm. the dog was comfortable there in the routine and knew he was going to get fed and he liked the... You know, the staff there. So he went back to the shelter. So I think that's crazy. Must have had more walks or something. Who knows? (laughs) Did you know, Robert, a single dragonfly, a single dragonfly can eat 30 to, can eat 30 to hundreds of mosquitoes per day. Well, how long does a dragonfly live? I thought they only lived like one day. Well, I don't know. But, well, if they eat 
hundreds of mosquitoes in a day they could eat. That's amazing. We need more dragonflies. We do we need, need to extend, more. Extend their lives. We really do. Absolutely, we need to extend their lives. <laughs> An owl can eat a thousand rodents. We don't like talking about owls. Remember? Oh, I'd like to talk about okay. owls. I do. Okay. And I. Here's another thing. You know, people, since it's so nice here yeah. in Minnesota, and it might be nice elsewhere in the United States. <laughs> we don't care. But people are getting antsy. I know I was getting antsy today that I really wanted to get out there yeah. and start raking and cleaning up no. and moving things around. But here's the thing. You can't do it. You can't do it. Please wait until the consistent temperatures are over 50 degrees. So that's the lows also. So I know we say no more May, but that might not really be correct because it's really about the temperature. We want really? the temperatures to be consistently over at least 50 degrees. Well, we don't have much to mow and I'm not going to mow in June either. No, I know. We just have the boulevard there and exactly. I think you'll be growing some stuff on there this year. Hopefully. But we have all these little pollinators. We have yes. bees and all other pollinator type insects living inside under leaves and in twigs and like living there now. And if you start raking and Shove, you know, like shoveling them up and throwing them in the garbage, they're all going to die. And we need our pollinators. Yeah, we, we do. We definitely need our pollinators. Another thing is, is people, dandelions. Dandelions are actually really, really good. And they're actually the pollinators' first food. Yeah. So we don't want to get rid of them. And please don't um, put uh, weed eater, weed eater and, and all these repellents on these dandelions because what will happen is the bees will go try to get the nectar mm -hmm. from the dandelion and then the bee will die yeah. so we really need to keep you know our area and what happens know, when the bees die we do that's right we really need our bees and our pollinators all of them so santina said that uh, fruit uh, flies are live only one day wow fruit flies only that's live good. one day that's really sad that's, well that's good because they really. come out of nowhere and <laughs> They're they in the come house. When you have fruit. They're a house in December. <laughs> like, where, where, are, where do they <laughs> come from? Do it's they come 30 from below outside and I got a fruit fly in my office. What exactly. The I know. <laughs> I know. So the weather's getting nicer, but it will be getting cold again and not over 50 degrees. So just hold off on the raking and cleaning up for spring. Hey, so what are we going to do again tomorrow? Tomorrow we will be uh, April 13th at 3 o'clock at the Minnesota State Committee, room 1150. Join us for testimony to help save our Minnesota wolves. Bring some uh, posters and some resist shirts and uh, there you go. I'll be... <laughs> Honored to be there, and with your help, Wendy, I'll be coherent. I hope so, yes. <laughs> she hopes so. All right. Hey, you've been listening to Native Ritz Radio. Thank you, Nancy. Uh, Happy birthday. Exactly. And Zoe and Wendy, of course, thank you for everything. Uh, we're still here. We are the seventh generation. Free Leonard Peltier. Now, and protect Iqua. We'll be back tomorrow.